Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Marvel Cinematic University, the podcast where we talk about everything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and things like TV shows, movies, and would you know it, we have a new movie to talk about. But before we get there, uh, I'm here to introduce my esteemed panel, joining as always, the wonderful Jerome Chang. Jerome, how are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing well as well. And also joining is the also wonderful Anthony Canton III. Hey, what's up, guys? Just as always, I'm eternally yours. Great point. And I am Jake Christie, and AC alluded to it, and the title alluded to it, and the fact that it's, you know, the biggest movie in America right now alluded to it. We're going to talk about Eternals, the newest, the 26th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, it, you know, a big film with a lot of big opinions and big things to talk about. Um, but first, I just want to get a heads or tails. You know, we all saw it. This weekend, um, Jerome, I'll start with you. Um, mm-hmm. What was your general experience, and uh, how did you feel about it generally? Uh, I went to go watch it um, in IMAX. Uh, it was the first time that I've been able to watch it where we've had uh, lifted restrictions, so it was mostly, if not a full theater, which was pretty interesting. Um, I went to go watch it with my friend Thomas. Uh, he's like a big Marvel person as well. We watch, we've watched like all the Disney Plus series together, like remotely. And um, this is our, actually our first chance that we were able to watch a movie together, which was great. Uh, but we, um, oh, actually, you know what? Shout out before that, we had lunch and uh, we had this like unagi dong with like foie gras on top of it. We just mm-hmm. really like went all out and it was, uh, it was really delicious. Um, mm-hmm. Like it, it was, uh, it was more delicious with like, especially with the foie gras on top, like than expected. Which actually works because, in contrast, n- not the most excited about the movie. I liked it. I liked it. I, I don't think I came out of it in any way of just, like, I need to watch it again. I need mm-hmm. to do anything uh, to dive deep. I think I needed to understand a lot about what was going on in the post credit scenes. Uh, so I did look into that there. Um, but there were just so many things happening in this movie and so many things that were attempted um, that it was very hard to process like what I did and didn't like in there. There was a movie that I liked, but the sum of its parts, it, it was not as good as I thought it could have been. Mm-hmm. AC, what about you? Well, I went with my wife last night, uh, Sheepshead Bay, and I saw it, I saw it in standard. And I mean, I gotta be honest, like, I think, I think I think the biggest thing that I took away from this movie generally, and there's actually a couple. One, the internet got to chill. I know the internet has no chill, but it really does have to chill in the sense that these people were critiquing a movie before they even saw it. And it was a lot of people who did it. And I know you guys probably don't follow as many comic book related people comic book film and comic book TV. I, I have and no people, idea about any of the no i mean i know right. that this is happening because so, i follow you but <laughs> right so, I, like i only know as far as like people like yourself telling people that i don't follow or don't see uh what they're posting that they gotta chill so that's all i know well right like and and, and that's the thing I, I i felt a lot before this movie like two weeks two weeks ago people were already talking about this movie and i know for a fact that these people did not see it yet so yeah. whether it's so what kind of comments were you getting like were they saying where it's just the it's just the well you know chloe Zhao wasn't allowed to do the thing that she she normally gets to do in movies 
And then the and then the Fasto scene, spoiler alert, with the Hiroshima and and that uh-huh. stuff. Why did they do that to a gay black man? You didn't even see the movie, so you're looking at spoilers already. You didn't see the movie. You don't have no context yet. You're making a comment and already kind of going into a movie with a certain type of with a certain type of opinion before you even saw it. So that's just number one. Now, for me personally, as far as I allowed myself to watch this movie and enjoy it for what it was. But at the same time, listen, it's 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 overstuffed. Yes. It's a lot of exposition, yeah. a lot of extra story. And I know originally that they wanted to do 12 Eternals. And the fact that they ended up with 10 still was probably too much in itself as well. And I think it's just a really long, it was a really long I mean, they movie were straight in a lot up of killing ways. off particular like certain Eternals and letting some get benched for the finale just to keep things like tight just to keep right just to keep it you know? so you can ha- you can have the focus on particular characters character motivations was another thing that i found a little weird which we can get into later but they had the I intentions think, of a regular season rotation but realized they needed more of a tighter playoff situation exactly <laughs> yes yeah. basically to put to, to put it in the nba terms they went hubie brown we're gonna play 11 guys and it's just like, all right, maybe, maybe you gotta, you know, tone it down a little yeah. bit. But I think at the highest points of uh, what this movie was, I think there were some very enjoyable moments, some very enjoyable characters, and we can all dive into that at some point. Before yeah. you go into it, uh, Jake, is it fair to say then, based on these, uh, just like these parallels that we're making with the NBA, Tom Thibodeau would probably be the best character manager of just like having five characters mm-hmm. go for two. Ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. yes, mm-hmm. say sorry, Cersei, Cersei. I know you just had a big fight. You gotta fight more. You gotta fight more deviants. Ice, right, right. ice. Yeah, but uh, yeah. And so I saw the movie on Thursday night um, with friend of the show Springthorpe. It wasn't a packed house because it was a Thursday, but it mm-hmm. was decently, you know, a lot, a decent amount of people. And I ultimately enjoyed but it. But in the case of Marvel, like saying it's not a packed house because of is it was a Thursday is not actually that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I th- but I, I only say that because it's not like the movie made it distinctly a less like when we saw Black Widow on Thursday, it was a packed house and black. I think it made like I mean Black Widow made more money on the first weekend than this did. Right. But I guess what I'm saying is it's not. It wasn't not packed. Like I, I think pretty safely you're not going to be saying the same when it comes to Spider Man. Yes, that's true um mm-hmm. yes i also will say that in different theaters in new york it was sold out on thursday and some theaters it wasn't so uh i'll leave it at that but um so anyway it was a really enjoyable experience i think and, and i think that it's one of those things where i think in the aggregate it's a worse movie than it is as you're watching it i would say um mm-hmm. like taken as a whole and looking back on it i think it's just it's not as well constructed of a movie but it's a collection of a lot of scenes i really liked the characters that i enjoyed being around yep and ultimately like i, I think like that, that yeah. there were like actual shots and locations. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's beautiful to look at. And and the yeah. funny thing is just to talk about what you were saying, AC, with people's reactions before watching the movie. The thing that I hated about that from what I saw from you, like talking about it, was that whenever when the, when it started to get negative reviews, people immediately were like, the problem with this movie is the thing that I want to talk about. Whereas like maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like I think a lot of the boys said a lot of problems like there's gonna, we're gonna be here in a Lisa Zhao cut. Like, I actually don't think the problem with this movie was that they didn't let Chloe Zhao do what she wanted to do. I think the problem existed before she even signed on to be directed. Like, I don't, I think that, right, agree. Yeah, uh, I, I think, um, ultimately, like, it's weird because this story and the characters make sense for Chloe Zhao to, yeah, um, to direct, but at the same time. 
for what it needs to serve within the MCU is such a bad thing for Chloe Zhao to come in and direct. I would say the biggest thing that I could tell from her directing that didn't match is that I feel like she didn't have an interesting take on the action scenes, which is a lot of it. And I think that that kind of made them feel perfunctory in a way that like, I I think that you don't even need to be a very skilled action director, but just have a perspective on that. And I think the fact that since all the characters have different powers, I think not having a very creative way to shoot it and to frame it made Mm. you like kind of lose track of what everyone's power was or anything like that. It kind of just felt like it it didn't feel like there was much perspective on it. And that was the one thing that I, I but other than that, it felt like it was an issue just with trying to get all of this in one movie. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I would also say in regards to the vision overall, and I think this this can also speak to the writing of the movie and just the general Marvel machine mm-hmm. is I didn't really need all the references to, you know, certain characters. I felt like in a lot of ways they went out of their way to do yeah. it in a way more so that wasn't organic that mm-hmm. we've seen in other films. Uh, and I feel like with the Eternals, because they're such obscure characters that even I don't even have too much of a knowledge about them, that if it's going to be its own thing, just let it be its own thing. Just, thing and you can I just do that. I, and, feel, I, I feel like I respect them going for having all these characters, because if it's a group of this many characters, it is going to be that. But I think you need to make two decisions. I think one, you need to like an NBA team, just go back to that metaphor. There have to be five starters and you need to be okay with some guys just not getting in that much. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that they tried to kind of have their cake and eat it too, where it's like, we're going to give Eagle Knights a screen. I was like, no, they're, they're, I hate to say it, but there can be less important Eternals. You can, you can make that decision. Absolutely. Uh, but also, I think that we really didn't need as much of an in-depth stuff about the Celestials and the Eternals roots in this movie. Like, I think that the... The I think they're they're trying to set up some stuff with the Celestials in the future, so they want people to know what it is. But like, I don't need to know actually what the deal with the Celestials is. You know, beyond just that they exist and that one was going to come out of the planet. I felt like it was. You could could have discovered more about them as they reappear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you know it's funny because I uh, I can't remember who mentioned it, but somebody said that this would have served better as a series. I think if you just take a few characters out and I think if you take a few characters out, you can mm-hmm. still do the movie much yeah. more effectively. Yeah. Cause I really do yeah. think 10 is too, 10 main characters yeah. is too much. It's way too yeah. much. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that I, I agree. I think, I think it was always going to be difficult to like TV or movie. Cause mm-hmm. the thing about something like going the TV route you already diminished their importance at that point. Yeah. I would agree. Uh, and so... Can I, can I give a counterpoint to the number, though? And I think I... the Ocean's Eleven literally sent... The, the title is that they have 11 characters, right? Yeah, and yeah, it, no, no one would ever say that the Ocean's Eleven movies have too many characters in it because they know that you just don't need to know that much about Scott Conn and Casey Affleck. And that's, no, and no, that's no, okay. It's true. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think... But so, it goes to your point that you were saying as yeah. far as, like... You, you don't have to give everybody equal amount of screen time. Yeah, and, I, and obviously that's a hard thing to have to do, but if you're going to have I mean, if you're casting it the way they casted it, like, everyone needs screen time. That's, well, that's another problem, too. Uh, yeah. How is um, Angela Jolie, like, the sixth most important character in this movie? <laughs> I know. Well, okay, so, I mean, like, just on that casting note and numbers and all that, um, they need to figure it out because at some point they're going to have the X-Men. Yes. Yeah. 
I would agree. That's coming soon. But that's the funny thing. Like, if we think about what Infinity War did, mm-hmm. but then no, I think but, like, about... But, like, but they, they already had them. That's a terrible example. I, I, already like, caught, like, I caught myself before yeah, they I, yeah, had yeah, I said that. But anyway, let's I actually yeah. want to go through yeah. because I think that this movie is a movie about characters. So I actually want to talk about each of the characters a little bit individually. Um, okay. I'm not going to start at the top because, you know, that would be easy. So let's start off with um, a man that notably Michael Springthorpe ranked as the number one daddy in the cast, Gilgamesh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, shout out to Gilgamesh. He was a big surprise to me because I'm not familiar with Don Leo's work, but I thought that he was a very fun character. And I thought a very compassionate character that I think kind of got really quickly. You you didn't they didn't have to do a lot of work to explain how important his relationship with Fina was, I feel like. You know what? It's what they do so, so successfully in establishing his relationship with Athena with not Athena with Thena mm-hmm. um is what they kind of fail with in terms of trying to establish Icarus and Circe. Yeah. Like uh you know, you don't have to explain that these two people love each other. You can just show it. You know, mm-hmm. and I think they do such a good job of it there. And also shout out Springthorpe like without question. I mean if you are haven't listened to yet or haven't joined, join our Patreon, find our MCU Daddy's Pod. Um, Gilgamesh would one thousand percent make it just because of all the things like I, that I personally learned about the importance of like really rating and putting together a daddy. It's not just how he fills that shirt. It's not just how he packs a punch. It's how he cares. How he cares for. Oh, and also, also, homie arms. looks like he could really prepare a mean spread. That mm-hmm. pie that he dropped at yeah. the beginning when they found out that Ajax was dead, I was like, yo, he was really going in. So, yeah, it, and, you know, just like, you know, again, shout out to Springthorpe. Um, you know, either I'll drink your beer or you can spit in my mouth. Either is off. Yeah, option. and the thing, yeah. too, is, and the, the thing I'll add about the pie, too, is anyone who knows you got to cook with <laughs> – anyone who is – is cooking with cast iron, I respect it. You know what I mean? Because that's a good, good quality product. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, yeah, oh, it was unfortunate. I mean, like from his whole cooking style, you guys have to explain to me because, like, you're in New York. Like, is he just out in the middle of the desert, or is he just like kind of in a small shop in Brooklyn? Like, what? How's he preparing? I mean, no one in Brooklyn is cooking with a cast iron pan. I'll tell you that. Okay, much. fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, all right. I mean, the, well, the, in place of Brooklyn, you'll get a place that's like an artisanal cast iron pan that you eat like a, a twenty-five dollar mac and cheese out of, but uh, not in the way that he you're thinking about. Um, Got it. But uh, yeah, I thought he. I I, I thought it was unfortunate he had that he died. Although I do think that someone did have to die in the lead up to the battle, but it was unfortunate it had to be him. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I think, um, but like it, it did serve the purposes that it needed to serve, like, especially in establishing with the relationship with Hina and kind of creating that conflict and mm-hmm. removing her, essentially her safety blanket that way. Yeah. It all works that way. Um, and it, it does give more um, depth to Angelina Jolie's character that she gets to work with at that point. Um, but no, it oh, was good. Yeah. It was like a Ooh. good short role to establish what, like, what he would be as like, kind of like the heart or like kind yeah. of, of the team yeah. at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I would definitely Even though I know that's supposed to be also Cersei. <laughs> no, yeah, we'll get there next. Because yeah, um, we'll I'm reading up on IMDb. Uh, Go for it. Makari, played by uh, Lauren Ridloff who's another uh, actress that I wasn't familiar with, but I don't think she's done a ton of work. Um, uh, obviously a genuinely great win for representation, um, having a deaf uh, performer in one of the main roles. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, it was, she didn't get a ton of screen time, but um, I mean, I definitely was intrigued by her performance and I 
you know, I I, 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 I like the see representation. More. Like I, I mean, like not representation in that sense, but I liked how they showed her powers in effect. Like when she was fighting Icarus, I thought it was really yeah. cool. Yeah, it was as well done um, from a speedster as I've seen. Right. In, in I was going to say because you you kind of have our like like pantheon of speedsters because you know the Quicksilvers like the various Quicksilvers that have existed, but you also are a big fan of the Flash series and. I listen. I this don't does, know it, it. Like, you, all you of this me, stuff like, pales to comparison okay. of what this was. Um, this was okay. as good as it gets. And yeah, even even to to say the idea of her not getting screen time. I mean, even in her limited screen time, I I really thought I really enjoyed her. She was oh one for of sure. The, yeah, she was yeah. one of the more one of the more fun and warm mm-hmm. characters that you got in this. And I actually liked her little her little flirtatiousness with uh, Druig. And um, yep. I would like I, I would like to see more of her and uh, yeah. more of that because that was fun. There was she definitely had a lot of um, charisma emanating from her, which was really mm. cool. Yeah, and I think that that's honestly just a side note. I think that that's why you cast um, you cast someone a, a deaf person to play a non-hearing character because I think if you cast a hearing actor, they don't know how to express a full personality just through sign language mm-hmm. and through all that. And I think that you really can just tell it feels more lived and it doesn't feel like a character that has not expressing as much as a, a you know, a hearing actor would. And so I think that that's uh, notable. Um, it's, it's also generally beautiful in terms of like, not that they were necessarily using it as a tool, but it just like, it helped establish the different dynamics between the different mm-hmm. Eternals. And like the, 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 like the particular characters who spoke more often with um makari like uh kingo like druig like there was just a softness and heart to that but that also like really gave you a good sense large in large like how this kind of family or team works mm-hmm. yeah and she kind of felt like a moral center to the, to yes. the group yes um and speaking of uh druig and by the way drum did just ping me to let me know that as we're going if you see your favorite if we're talking about your favorite eternal make sure you mention it mine hasn't come up yet i don't know if yours have but yeah there no um, it hasn't no Drieg played by Barry Keoghan, who I noted to Springfield as we're leaving the theater, has the least trustworthy face ever put to film. So I was really surprised <laughs> that he didn't turn bad. Like, he just looks... The haircut like, doesn't help it either. No, not at all. No, it doesn't. Um, also, the fact that his power is to control people's minds, which is, like, not good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I thought it was a very, he was a very interesting character in that he had a power that is, in almost all pieces of fiction, evil. But he mm-hmm. wanted to use it for good, in a way. Um, what do you think about Drieg? Um, he was a very interesting character. I think, uh, what they're doing with it and also exactly everything you said, Jake, in terms of how, how he thought to use his power and how he had put in his mind that he can make a better world, but in turn remove everyone's free will was a very interesting concept, but like most concepts in this movie didn't get to dive in too deep anyway. Um, but but he also kind of gets credit as like really showing uh, over the course of time as they live through history, the real like one of the characters breaking under the pressure or the observation of humanity. And so I thought that was really interesting on that front. And it also kind of created for him um, just as like larger, like just in all the, like for the final set piece for as they build up, just 
he he really does become like kind of a center of a lot of those situations and like creating the moral compass for everyone else or like how they make their decisions about it. I enjoy the character. I I think one of the things that came across to me and actually I think it's a it, it kind of highlights a problem of the film is even though the mind control stuff is really really interesting as far as the character is concerned mm -hmm. when you get the exposition of well this is why the eternals can't interfere in any earth mm -hmm. stuff and and humans i mean isn't that what he's kind of doing i well, i mean i think it was supposed to be they're not supposed to interfere in human stuff but still I, yeah. it does make you wonder what the but point of him it, having that power is right and and i think to to the larger point is yeah they're not supposed to but it almost feels like are there any particular consequences for yeah. for for these things yeah. and that's why that's where they weren't they weren't definitive and clear about that mm -hmm. so like that tying all that in together mm -hmm. um otherwise i thought the character was interesting and as i previously stated i liked his chemistry with not only makari but a lot of the other characters in this in the movie yeah um it is always nice to also have a very a variety of accents uh yeah in he's also one of the least <laughs> like because most of the character, most of the internals are generally very stoic characters, mm -hmm. and he actually has like a lot of personality to him, mm -hmm. like all of it by, by design. But yes, it was nice to have. And, and I do respect. At least it feels like, because you know how I always complain about how characters that don't need to be buff in superhero movies get buff. I feel like he didn't, and I respect that a lot. Like you don't yeah. need to be. Um, next up, uh, Fasto face. It's, it sounds like they're saying Faustos, but there's no U in the pronunciation. Right? I think it's, so it's Fastos. It's Fastos. spelled Fastos, but it sounds, because uh, obviously a lot of the characters are named after e legends. And so I think it's supposed to be like Faustos or Faust in Faustine right. legend. But why still, does that sound like food? And it's making me hungry. I don't know. I don't, why. honestly, that I couldn't tell you. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think you're just, I think, I think, I think I'm you just, just hungry. rushed back for the recording and you're yeah. just hungry. Yeah. Yeah, um, pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I'll flag it right here. This is my favorite Eternal. Yeah, he was pretty great. Uh, what do you, uh, by the great Brian Tyree Henry. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I feel like um, he definitely was. I think we tracked the bit about him being at Hiroshima was a bit on the nose. But I do think that it is. I felt very weird about that scene. It I was very weird. Yeah. I wish that yeah. I wish that they chose an event that was not that. I think that they. I like the idea of him having a come to Jesus moment about mm -hmm. whether or not advancing humanity is a good well, thing. I don't need it to be. Well, let, let me ask you guys. Like, do you feel like there was a need to choose that particular moment in time because it would be most like it would be easily identifiable by Americans? uh for now i mean i don't know i i well, don't know just like because in the sense because like when you go through history and like you're like i'm not gonna we're definitely not gonna run through like what moment we're gonna replace right, let's America. go through, through like just like in the decisions around it right because like that's like one like in terms of identifying an event that is met with great regret but also fitting in with like the theme of like how technology can be mm -hmm. so damaging like how many could i i, I mean i prefer no, not I finding think, another way to go about it like i think, I, I, don't, I, I think he could go through that without a specific event i he could also, be in ruins and yeah i also think I he doesn't need to be at literally the site of it i think is a thing that brought me the wrong there's way. that too yeah like yeah, i think yeah that was just like what? i think that like if he is seeing on like the news and the abstract of like especially i think would be interesting really interesting if they framed it as 
he's listening to like the radio and there's joyous reports about them destroying because that's how it would have been reported in the United States. Sure. Like, yeah, that's yeah, a much yeah, more yeah. interesting way of doing it. Like I don't literally need him to be on the ground there. And that felt a bit like really trying to ram the point home in a way that I think the yeah. lack of subtlety actually kind of undercut the point. Um, yeah. But and then just I think another example like, of them if ramming you just remove that stuff. title card, like you, yeah. it would have had the same effect. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. Um, so but no, he, so like outside of that, uh, you know, Brian Tyree Henry, honestly, I just love him in almost any role I see him in. And he just had such a charisma about him in the film. He was very light in moments that weren't as like on the nose as say a Kingo um, that was definitely there for the comedy relief. But he, uh, he, he was just like such a fun character. Also had like some very cool looking powers. Like the way he handles Icarus in that final fight um, I was leaning to my friend because we're also like fans of uh, like some anime. Uh, he pulled on the full like bounding jutsu on him, like all the things there, like shout out Naruto. But it was, yeah, it was cool to watch. Like we were like, it's, um, it's nice in things like this. Like he has just like that element that is very kind of like a Tony Stark or very like a Shuri of just like using intelligence and technology to outwit like even the most powerful. And the thing I found interesting about that is that it is, well, I, there's nothing wrong with reusing power sets. There's only so many powers that superheroes can have, but it was the rare time you see a power set I've never seen before. Like being able to make technology right, right, right. thinner is just not something that is like, yeah. and the fact that they were able to accomplish that visually, I think is a real testament to the movie. I think some people might say that it wasn't as, because there were sometimes I was a little bit confused of what was going on with that. But I think that he, uh, I also think I, we've talked once again, and obviously this is, you know, uh, Marvel doesn't sort of a pat on the back for being 15 years late, but him being for the first gay relationship portrayed in a Marvel series, Marvel anything, I think was very nice. And I think that they, um, and I wasn't surprised by this because it's closed out, but like, I feel bad that it has to be in the context of obviously being too late with it because I think it was handled exactly as it should have been. It just should have obviously yeah. been handled this way in 2009 and not 2021. But in context, it was really sweet. The irony of that is that if it was handled in 2009, it wouldn't have been handled the way it's handled now. I agree. That's, of course, the double-edged sword of progress, which yeah. is why I don't really, which is why I understand people who are like, oh, it's, they're doing this with you, but it's like, yeah, the way things are like the fact is you know progress has been made when 200 million you, you'd want it in it. the hands <laughs> of people now more than you would have yes, like people absolutely. over a decade ago exactly um yeah um i just wanted to say about the character itself he's actually my second favorite but um mm -hmm. i thought i thought it, it's funny that you mentioned the way that he was he was creating stuff because it is very tony stark like so i, I think oh, that very much so yeah yeah so it's almost like you kind of get the evolution of of man there um the previous to somebody like a tony stark or a shuri so i thought that aspect and that kind of like uh comparison was cool but um yeah i think yeah the relationship the the little kid was adorable um mm -hmm. i really enjoyed it really enjoyed their scenes and stuff like that but uh yeah i think we got a for, dc reference and a superman uh joke yeah there, i was, which was pretty interesting that. Yeah, yeah, that was that, that was not. Nah, Chloe's very Chloe's very into that. I would, I definitely would love to see I, her. I mean, I do like that. the idea of her of that actually being because like what also comes out of this or like what seems to be implied is the existence of these characters in throughout human history has influenced actually the creation of like stories of gods and things like that that 
it could very well be that they're implying like Marvel's Icarus inspired Superman in this world. Mm-hmm. Right. That's an interesting point. Um, yeah, I do yeah. also, I do just want to know oh. I what the, the Ikea joke, obviously, which was in all the trailers. Yeah. The thing that's a little disappointing about that is because one of the funny things about Ikea is how they all have like the very convoluted Swedish names. And I wish he would have had like, you know, this is Nordvark. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's such a classic Ikea joke. Cause Ikea, can, I, yeah, I, I yeah, yeah. Up, there are, there are spring collections for ikea mm-hmm. but no one calls them that they call them right of course know, not. Anyway. Yeah, yeah but uh yeah i thought that he was really great speaking of little kids who might not have been as great there's sprite portrayed by Lily <laughs> McHugh, um which i couldn't st- when i saw them in the credits it really was just like this is for no one but how often do you think no no one confuses them but there's the nbc commentator named liam McHugh. they're not related i looked it up but uh <laughs> anyway um what do you guys think about sprite uh shouldn't have gone away with it i agree that's fair like i don't know how we were all just like cool like when you literally stabbed in the back like i I feel like it's just well i don't know sprite kind of was just like a loki yes a little bit yeah that's a little bit like at least in the projections the illusions everything is deception literally will go out and stab you in the back Uh, because i think that because we're talking about this on the discord Mm -hmm. i think that on paper the the specific notion, this is going to sound like weird and like, this is definitely not saying it would be in a Marvel movie, but the notion of someone who perpetually has the appearance of a child being mm-hmm. in love with an adult man and the man never being able to reciprocate because the person has the appearance of a child is an incredibly interesting and rich text. However, that is not something that is going to be explored in a Marvel movie. And so- the And it wasn't kind of, explored. It, it, it wasn't. Was, it was like full on explained by another character. Exactly. And like, yeah. so like, but when they show like the bit where she's like projecting a full grown woman at like that bar- yeah, I right. think that that is a, honestly a the psychological trauma of being 5,000 years old, but people still treating you like a child is something that is bad and would right. warp you and fuck you up. I But the fact right. that they don't explore any of that anyway, and that in the actual movie, other than that one bit, we don't actually see the fact that she has the appearance of a child ever hurt her. We don't even see like mm-hmm. everyone trying to like enter a bar or something. It's like, no, it's, you can't come in. You don't have any of it's that. It's not handled in the same way that you see Mystique, like Jennifer Lawrence's Mystique. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, that you don't. You were just told that she feels like an outcast, it's and also we don't know why she loves Icarus. Why, like, why exactly she's in love with Icarus? Like, there's no Have explanation. You seen it's Richard Icarus? Madden with a gray spot. Have you in seen it? <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm still. You really right, need like, to ask that question. I'm, listen, I'm. No, I'm kidding. I'm, you're listen, right. you guys may be superficial, but I'm into. The real person, what's inside a person, what's inside their heart and their I agree. soul. I know what's yes. inside of him, that jawline. No, oh, wow. that's an excellent point. Uh, but no, I think you're right. But I think that the character is really, I think that the character was put in an unfair position in a lot of ways. In well, that, I, I think, I think, yeah. I think like a lot of it in that case is just more, you know, he's the leader, right? Yeah. And like, and they, they, that they make clear, um, like he's the most powerful. It's all that they've lived through time. Like, it mm-hmm. makes sense even in the, the dynamic of what they are that if anyone was like the Zach Morris of the group, yeah. that would get it, it would have been Icarus. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like they kind of did the character wrong. I think I do like that the end is that you become human because I was watching the entire time. I was like, how are they going to do a sequel? Because I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, Liam McHugh was going to age. Um, so, well, there you go. Uh, they answered that question. Can we pitch a new Save by the Bell with Icarus as Zach Morris and Gilgamesh as AC Slater? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I would like to see that. I would um, like to wait, see wait, that. I mean, Ken, I, Cersei is kind of dour, so I don't know if she'd work as a Kelly Kapowski, but. Um, right. 
No, she ain't got nothing on Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Let me tell you, boy. <laughs> See, I, 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 yeah, I'm sure AC is talking about all her inner qualities at that point. When he's absolutely, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. See, by the way, I truly, I truly have uh, never watched an episode of Saved by the Bell, but right. I know that if I said Kelly Kapowski, at least one of you would have a reaction, and I was right. I'm very glad. I, oh, yeah, I yeah, spent, no, no, I spent yeah, enough time yeah, around how... people in their mid-30s where I'm like, oh, I know what reference to drop here. <laughs> I mean, um, like, if anything, uh, if anything, uh, Thena as uh, Jesse Spano uh, going, I'm so excited, I'm so excited, I'm so scared, is pretty it, much it, a character it, it totally in the makes sense. Totally makes <laughs> yes. sense. Yeah. Um, and then next, of course, the next character we have is Kingo, which mm-hmm. I'm so I'm so in between whether or not I don't like this character at all or it's my favorite. And so my I, favorite. I love I because I, I it's okay. the jokes are so jokey and they sometimes don't stick around. But when they landed for me, they really landed for me. I think he's annoying. But I also the thing for me too is that none of the other characters jumped out enough for me to say that I didn't. Yeah. Um, Here, here's here's what it is for me. Uh, Kingo is funny, but Kingo would have been grading without Karun. I think that that's fair, but I also think I that think, we have I think to, you need the package deal. I to think do that. the thing though is that Karun does exist, so I took it as that. I think that the character exists in order to undercut him. I felt like that, like right, I, but like, but I just say like I think, unlike other characters, like for example, say a Korg or a Luis, like they are on their own, like fantastic, right. yeah, and funny. Like I think. Uh, like so much of Kingo's humor also is derived from like the actual pairing. Like I don't yeah. like I think the pairing is important in that case. I think that that's fair. Um, yeah, I enjoyed Kingo. He was. Awesome. I thought um, that I thought that his life. I think I think is the bit of him being a Bollywood star. I think is really funny because that's something I always really, think about. Is yeah. With all these, a lot of these superheroes are things in fiction that are immortal. Like, there's such logistical things about being immortal. I just love the idea that he is his great grandfather. <laughs> he just has a like, like that whole thing, and like, and that it would entirely work mm-hmm. is beautiful. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I also thought the choice framing that they made, even though we can say it's like to zero in on certain characters in yeah. the final fight, but I think the way that they framed it with him was actually one of the. One of the more interesting. I, I so were, they trying, the, were, were they trying to frame him as kind of a pacifist? Yes. Yes, okay. I think that they would have. I wish they had checked in with him at some in some way, shape, and form before the way end of it during like right. with the whole battle and stuff. Like just because I think that his stance is is interesting. I think that his yes. stance is actually probably is an incredibly compelling one. Of like, I don't, I don't want to stop this from happening. I think that we have our job was to do this this and this so we should right. do it however i love you guys too much to try to stop you exactly. I think that yeah. is an actually very nuanced thing i just wish that we that that didn't just mean that he was not gonna be in the movie for a half hour yeah that, uh, and that's also, like that's the kind that's of thing fair. there where like that that exact scene like when he says it i was like that's a very interesting concept mm-hmm. and again like a pro like a, a, an example of like the overall problem like nothing gets to be explored yeah yeah um, yeah uh, but speaking of which, this actually—I mean, this is maybe a good transition. The wonderful Sama Hayek as Ajak, um, a character that I, you know, I think we all wish we—I think I thought we should have seen more of. Um, I agree. But uh, I think that um, I thought that when she was on screen, I think especially in the flashback scenes, like uh, I thought that she was pretty good. And um, yeah, I just wish that she didn't die uh, <laughs> when she did. She gave the movie such gravity. Like, she yes. is the reason why they feel like Eternals. Yes. 
and even though and even though obviously she died it looks like we're gonna see her again very sure. soon at some point um mm-hmm. whether it be flashback or however they decide to bring her back you, you know how mm-hmm. i always read the tea leaves of interviews i very much get the vibe that Selma hayek really enjoyed making this movie and wants to play the character again oh no That's she actually that- literally said i signed a deal yeah, yeah, but like you can, yeah. you can just tell you can tell who's Jews, like, yeah, this is a river. But I think that she actually really, and it's funny because I don't know if I even saw it, but I feel like she found something very personal about this character, at least the way she talked about it. So, like, I and I, oh, her whole her performance through. is like very understood the assignment, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah for sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, big, uh, uh, but no, big like, I, I think, um, you know, her character like it's it's actually like now the more we talk about it and i even thought about it after the movie just so many of the concepts or ideas or types of characters in the internals have like parallels in the mcu itself like mm-hmm. even like the whole concept of not getting involved like reminded me so much of you know wakanda and black panther and not right. being involved in like at least the smaller size of human history but you know um they're uh there's there are things like in Sama Hayek's like Ajax that kind of reminds me a little bit like the ancient one of just like someone who understands mm-hmm. like everything that's going yeah. on and yet like operates within what they what their belief system is like for a long time, but uh, yeah like her scene with uh, Icarus is mm-hmm. like such a beautiful scene in how she explains um, like the idea of you know, falling in love with humanity. It kind of works against like the logic of like not getting involved at that point. But at the same time too, it's uh, it like, it's hard to be mad at the logistical fumble there when it's such a beautiful scene acted by her. I, I also think that it does something that I like when sci-fi does. Cause the thing I hate with, with when sci-fi does where like, especially if it's in a big series where a bunch of sh- crazy shit keeps happening to Earth and, like, they act like it's all random. But I feel like mm-hmm. what the Ajax Maya kind of was like was, like, and the fact that this all ended on Earth is I like when a sci-fi story like this is, like, for some reason or another, we can't really explain why Earth is special and humanity is special, et cetera, et cetera, which yeah, obviously right, is right. self-centered. But I think you need to do that in order for the narrative to make sense. We can't just keep believing that all these cosmic things keep coming back to Earth. And so, right. like, I think that it was important to have a character vocalize, like, no, like... I actually actively do believe that we should stop doing this because of these people on this planet. Mm. I just, I kind of wish that that was just a conversation you had with Icarus because I felt like the other times where they had the moral argument about it, no one else voiced the case for humanity as well as she did, which I think was kind of something yeah. that I felt lacking later on. Also like voice the case for Endgame, And like just the, cause I think we just have looked at all of, the ramifications of what happened in the infinity saga from a human perspective and like, how does human, how do humans um, kind of come back from it? And the characters around, like, I get that there are like, you know, superhero characters involved, but you know, these are people who have been just like on the outside at a higher level who probably could have like just handled it very easily or not very easily, but like a lot more smoothly, Mm -hmm. not getting involved. And for them to kind of come out and be like, Oh, you got that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you got that in you is mm-hmm. uh it is pretty interesting to like view what seemed like at a point where like just ants in the first avengers like incapable of doing anything like actually really achieving way more than anything ex- anyone expected of them mm-hmm. yeah they would agree um and next is angelina jolie as thena um mm-hmm. a character that i think a, the, almost the entire movie i'm like 
I think she's doing fine, but it is crazy that Angelina Jolie's playing this small role. Um, right, it's a great, right, yeah. But I assume they have much more for her to do. Uh, I imagine. Um, but uh, she just stopped spoiling the like her films. Yeah, <laughs> watching the Supercut. Those are <laughs> so good. I love that. I I also do. I think it's so funny too how like you can tell that actors who are a certain level are just like they know like. What is Marvel gonna do to me? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, this, completely, yeah. Completely, completely, <laughs> like, completely. yeah. No, um, I, I think I do. Like, I agree with you. Like, in terms of what they, like, you have Angelina Jolie, and this is what you give her. I, as kind of a counter to that, I kind of like it because it's just like you no, have Angelina I like Jolie. It too. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so we are on the same page. Like, but it is. It's amazing. Like that you have not the biggest character in your movie, and it's Angelina fucking Jolie. <laughs> like, it's. Also. I actually think that she's best in situations like that. I think that, right, I mean, right. there's the big a thing people point out all the time. I think I probably brought up on this podcast that she is the only A-lister that basically has no iconic movies. Um, mm. And I think it's because she just, there's something that I think she just does so much better on the outside of a movie. And right. I think that she's, even though her screen time is not that great, I think this character is really well suited to her. Um, right. And yeah, I thought the visualization of her power really was cool too. I think that that was... Yeah. Um, they did a lot with it in a way that I feel like they didn't always with all the other characters. But the stuff with Icarus was again like the stuff when they were fighting Icarus at the end was yeah. pretty cool uh-huh. with all of them. Mm-hmm. And what was the name of like the deviant that crow? I think it's crow. Deviant crow. Yeah, that yeah. Is for some reason portrayed by Bill Skarsgård. Don't know why right, right. they brought him in to do that, but um, because the MCU um, does stuff like that. But uh, yeah, like her fight. Like, just because we're on Thena right now, I just have to, like, kind of shout out Crow because, uh, again, anime reference, I just kept on saying, like, why did they put Perfect Cell in this movie? Just, like, this constantly evolving character. <laughs> that, like, got, like, that got, like, done in, honestly. Like, we were, I was saying Perfect Cell at first, but then we're like, oh, it might be Frieza just because, like, Thena goes full, tr- like, future trunks on that final. Yeah. I, you know, the thing is, I, I, it probably is Frieza because... When you least see the other deviants, I saw one that looked like uh, its brother, and it was cooler. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, so anyway, <laughs> um, but no, I think that uh, also get yeah, a bit where she's uh, like tied up by Crow, and you know what's mm-hmm. gonna happen, but she like makes the dagger from her like that's cool shit. Big fan. It's cool. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, AC, any thoughts? No, I mean, I I just feel like like generally the character now. <laughs> The the Gilgamesh relationship, I really like Gilgamesh's side. I was just yeah, like shadow shadow their pairing too. Like mm-hmm. their really yeah, their pairing. I do, however, wish that they did give her a little bit more to do generally oh, because it's just like a lot of her either attacking them or just looking stoic or confused for a good portion of her time on the screen. So, like besides the action stuff. It wasn't a lot of, and that's just another example of not. I, I I agree. I think almost in like again going to like a basketball reference, it's just like you know what you're getting with Angelina Jolie. Yes. So in the minutes that you have, like Angelina Jolie can set up all her teammates and then just like put up like twenty points in the fourth if she wants. Like and a I six think, woman. She's I think, a six I, woman. I think I, but no, not even that. Just like. Like even in the sense of like she's she could be like a Lakers LeBron, mm-hmm. you know, or like mm-hmm. just or like a really like like a Chris Paul of sorts, where just um, they know like the Thena character does so well 
um, when you look at it as a whole of just like kind of setting up everyone's characters because the way they react to certain moments and everything like that. And it doesn't require mm-hmm. Athena to actually like, quote unquote, take the shots. I mean, you know? the, the, the magic of casting Angelina Jolie in this role is that she needs to be like the more, the ethereal one of a group mm-hmm. of ethereal beings from another world and like right. she seems more otherworldly than the rest of the eternals you know and yeah, that's right, kind right. of her purpose and so i wish they did more with her but i um you know and this is probably not this is not a good way to make a good standalone film but i just know that they're going to do more with her in the future and i'm excited exactly. to have her as a character um and yeah i thought where they executed with her they did well um and next we have uh second to last of the eternals run through we have icarus who mm-hmm. didn't just fly too close to the sun in this one um <laughs> literally flew into the sun yeah i feel like this is where some of the stuff we're talking about motivations and all that kind of was an issue at least for me um i i feel like i don't know when the right time to reveal his betrayal was but it feels like it was simultaneously too early and too late i agree Mm. that either they needed to make show that he was evil earlier or waited till later here's a question to that in terms of like would you feel differently if he stuck to his guns maybe um but i guess the thing i guess not probably not because i think that i think because the the i think clearly the whole time the message of the movie was gonna be that the important thing is their bond not this mission because i guess thing too is i just didn't believe we didn't know like the whole this the moment he arrived back it was just like oh here's the betrayer (laughs) here's the judas but the thing too is that like what with ajak for example since ajak was in direct contact with uh erishem you could understand why she was still beholden to the mission, right. but it wasn't clear why. What's his specific motivation for still being beholden right. to the mission? Yeah, yeah. There, um, there. Again, like it just it wasn't explored enough, mm-hmm. and you really had to kind of create your own narrative for him in that case. But it did feel like because he's like the Superman character, like for his powers and what he does, and being the most powerful. Like, he had kind of a Captain American type, like, Kal-El type of just, like, a sense of duty beyond reason. Yeah. And it only made sense to me because of, like, the character that he mm-hmm. was, like, in a superhero context. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but that said, like, exactly, like, they needed to do more to actually establish any kind of motivation on his part. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I mean, just, I don't know. The relate it's the relationship with him and Cersei. I was just not it. It just didn't do it for me. I was mm-hmm. it wasn't just anything that that hit home for me. And I thought there's the a powers, C word it, that I bring up a lot in the Spider Man uh, episodes of Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst that I think is relevant here. I just no, don't chemistry. think they, I don't think that they have much chemistry, honestly. I, and and that's fine. It just I think it really whenever you're trying to tell a story about people who are in love for thousands of years, it's kind of like, oh, I wish they had chemistry. Yeah. Like one thing that just works well is like I I I don't like when you're that beautiful, I guess you don't Yes. No, no, it's it's not as it's not as bad as Spider-Man because like it, they're not because they're so beautiful that it's like whatever. But it is right. it is kind of like I just don't buy the, you don't beyond the beauty you don't understand really what it's not interesting like exactly. it doesn't like, it's not interesting nor compelling either it doesn't feel well there's too much telling genuine. not enough show that's all it is right uh yeah. yeah yeah and i think that's where you when we talk about the when we talk about the flashbacks that's where i think another 
place where the movie got lost was there was there was a little bit too much of jumping forward and jumping back and jumping here and jumping there. There's a little too much jumping for my taste. And you know, I think it's like my favorite Soka song you just sang right there. (laughs) (laughs) But I think there was either too much flashbacks or too little flashbacks. I think that either the movie needed to be like. 50% 50% flashbacks or 10% flashbacks and it was like 25% flashbacks and that um, like yeah that. yeah like there's no answer to it like it could also be that like it's the right amount of flashbacks so you just have to put them in the like in an order that right. that yeah. it doesn't do the mm-hmm. jumping forward and jumping back yeah and, and I, um, I feel like sliding. I feel like them having like the romantic scene by like in the desert with uh Cersei and uh Icarus um, right. The first sex scene in Marvel history, um, I say as the uh, Marvel smut uh, uh, aficionado. Um, right. So that's what my brother called me that in text message after I sent him the article. <laughs> um, but uh, what article was that, Jake? Oh, uh, the, the article that I was quoted in the Wall Street Journal talking about Marvel having his first sex scene. Uh, it was a big W for us. Uh, we were contacted to talk about Marvel movies having indie directors, and I figured I said I think I'm probably best to talk about it, so I did. And then it turned out she changed the article to be about ha- sex being had in Marvel movies, and it turns out I think I'm also the person who's thought about it the most. How much? How how much content uh, of you talking about Vision's penis do you think they've come across that they thought you were like the perfect person for this? That's a great question because <laughs> the original question wasn't about that. I don't know, but I like mm. to think that it got through. I like to think that. But I'm like a good know. writer knows to not like just like do yeah, such not, a leading question, but they know course. who they're working with and like they get them there. Yes, mm. I think that. And of course, speaking of getting them there, of course there was the sex in the movie, um, and but yeah, I think that it was. I think that it was actually a good idea to show. I think it actually did accomplish the thing that I said that a sex scene in Marvel movie would accomplish, which is that even though that it kind of, I think that that's why the fact that they didn't have chemistry wasn't as egregious as it is in some other movies, because we did see them have physical intimacy that it's like, okay, I get it. These people clearly are, you know, right. really into each other. Um, but yeah. Here's, I think a, it, here's a question about that. Sure. Did we find it necessary? Was it like necessary to the degree where does it matter um, if it's there? I actually I, think so. I, I think yes. I, I what I'll I, say is I, I, I think, think it is. matters that it's there. I think mm-hmm. that's also like a difficult tightrope to walk because like you can only go so far if you're an MCU film. Yes. I also think that, and I'm not saying you're doing this. I actually don't think you're doing this, but I think that there's a way that flavor and things that are interesting about a movie can easily be pared down by saying, is it necessary? I think that that's actually like, is it necessary in a vacuum? No, but do I think that the emptiness we feel about the relationship is even worse if we don't have it? Yes, I absolutely do. I think mm. that, like, I think that it would be even more confused, even more, like, led astray about why they liked each other yeah, so much. I, to get I, out of it. I think you look at it as less the execution or less of, like, analyzing the scene itself and more of the idea of, like, we're finally making an acknowledgement that our characters have sex. Which I feel like to to get to this point where you haven't done that, and I think you know that's a reason why that, I think that was a good article choice uh, for yeah. the Wall Street Journal. I mean, if anything, it, it kind of like it really affects like our coverage of MCU because it's not going to be any more speculation about like how about that dick? It like we know that dick. Be <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly, and it, <laughs> yeah. and it does it does answer some. I I also think to be honest too, I think that there's a way that 
But haven't like the speculation having... now would just be like if they were going to show a sex scene that we know they're obviously having, what mm-hmm. would it be like? It is interesting because I feel like fans are definitely split on this. I think there's a good yeah. portion of fans who like really, really, really want more of that. And I think there's fans who are like, eh, hi. And it's funny because I just want to imagine I only got one quote in that article, but I answered a lot of questions about it. And I was mm-hmm. asked, why do I think that it isn't in there? And the fan response of people who are against it is exactly what I said. So I felt very vindicated. I'm like, because a lot of fans were like, like they will we'll say they don't find it necessary, even though they don't mind sitting through five minute explanations about magic stones. Um, but uh, <laughs> but and I, and I but I think I think that is give and take. I, I think that it is just an aesthetic choice. And I think it is just notable that the 26 movies they went 20, they took them 26 to make the choice to actually show it. I think it's just a notable thing right. because and I think it says more about it says less about Marvel movies, and I think it just does movies today generally. Because back in the 80s, you couldn't throw a rock without hitting a movie with a sex scene in it. Whereas right. now we're so prudish that we don't want to have sex scenes in a movie. So anyway. Um, so I'm really yeah. looking for the next like MCU Disney Plus Red Shoe Diary series. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well try it at some point. Oh my God. Anyway. Uh, Red, Skull a- anyway. Red Skull Diaries? Red Skull Diaries. Right on the nose. So Blast is Cersei, uh, who I feel like, I, I think this is a classic example. She gave me her body before she gave me her soul stone. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. This is why, you know, it's like, what are we doing here, AZ? <laughs> just like, <laughs> um, but uh, we just let Jerome Briff for a little bit. Um, oh my <laughs> goodness. Um, so I think the issue with Cersei and I really love Gemma Chan as a performer. Mm. I was sincerely watching the movie with a completely saying like, I think she might have objectively perfect bone structure, but <laughs> I think the <laughs> problem ultimately is that it's a thing that happens I think a lot of movies where they have a big ensemble cast where the character that's at the central of it feels like they're not making any active choices and don't have an active point of view because they're, they're really surrounded not. so yeah. much by characters who do. And then they also hit, like they do that um, like in the worst cases when someone is supposed to be special, like they never really show why she's special. It's just a bunch of people telling her that she's special. Mm-hmm. And I think that what the movie wants you to believe, and I think that I think this is not just what the movie wants to believe. I think this is true in universe, is that she's mm-hmm. the one who's chosen because Ajax knows that she also has a special connection to humanity and will make the same exactly. choice. Exactly. And mm-hmm. and I think that there's a I think I talk about this a lot. There's sometimes where a movie feels like it doesn't need to vocalize something, and I think it really does. I think in the scene mm-hmm. where they're arguing on the ship, I think someone needs when Icarus is complaining that he wasn't chosen. I think someone needs to say Ajax need wanted to save humanity, and Cersei does too. I think that actually saying that is important because they're yeah. having an yeah. argument. It's not like it's not yeah, like it's freaking a fight. They're having an ideological argument. Absolutely. So the fact that no one says it, but I feel like she kind of is just kind of overwhelmed by the decision so much, which is fine mm-hmm. to a point. But at a certain point, we need to. I think we needed to see her, her make the affirmative case for humanity in like a very full-throated way that I don't really feel like we got. Yeah, she did it. She did it. And I she think- needed. She needed the. Uh, how many people on this pod watched Rocky Five? I have. I have horrible taste, I've, but I've not watched that it, but I don't remember it well now. I okay. Well, then it's for whoever. <laughs> yeah, just I put it out there. But. Like it required Athena to give her like the get up, you son of a bitch, because Mickey loves you mm-hmm. a moment for her to like finally, you know, grab get her bearings and like do a thing. Um, mm-hmm. which I like again to all the points you just made, Jake, like you really wanted her to do it herself and not yeah. be not have these kind of moments. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like I, I wanted more 
explored, I think even for comedy sake, because I think the comedy scenes between her and Kate Harrington are really good. I think mm-hmm. she's very skilled comedically. Um, and I just, I wanted them to explore more like the tension of she's immortal and 7,000 years old or whatever. And she's decided to date a guy who's been on earth for like 30 years. Like that's interesting. And they really don't explore and, and that. Also that he's kind of aware already. Yes, he gets the vibe that there's something off with her, which is something that I think would happen if you. But also, like Sprite is involved, and will like just espouse like all the actual things that are going on. But he kind of just, Uh, oh, it's this kid. I do love the line in that scene where they first have the deviants, where uh, um, when he when he says like when Dane says like you uh you know Sprite um you know Sprite said you fought off demons and Sprite's like and you believe me and he's like well yeah I do (laughs) now. Right, right, right. Um, um, but yeah, yeah, I but it all, like it also works out. Like I, I say all that, but you know they are living in a post-Endgame world. So exactly, anything is possible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I think that Gemma Chan. I think I, I think the great thing about this movie is I don't think there's really other. I think you can make the case for Leah McHugh, just but child actors. I'm always willing to give a mulligan to. I don't think mm. there's a bad performance, and I think so. I think that even though Cersei is a very undercooked character and kind of is a deer in headlights for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And I mean this with no insult. I think Gemma Chan plays being a deer in headlights incredibly well. It's just not the most compelling thing for your main character to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you're going to yeah, make I, it the I, center I think, of the thing. I, I think one thing you kind of tapped into there, which is how I feel about this movie overall, is just like there was nothing bad. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think, a gr- I think that that's a great point. It felt like a lot of interesting or like my either boring or mildly interesting things put together. And it's like, oh, it's just a lot of beiges. It's nothing crazy, yeah. but it's like, yeah, you know. And well, it's this also is a where... very anti, mm-hmm. like, against, sorry, you see there, but like, uh, no, no, like okay. against MCU, like, what you expect out of the formula is you want, you always expect to come out of an MCU film being like, this is the character I'm riding with yeah. going forward. And it was very hard. Like, I, I think back and I'm just like, oh, I like these particular characters, but. I'm not like when if you hit me with the title card like the Eternals were mm-hmm. re- Returnals shout out Springthorpe again mm-hmm. like it wouldn't mm-hmm. get me up right yeah. like and so um like the the cameo that shows up at the end is like probably the thing that like got everyone up <laughs> yeah. at that point but right. uh, in more ways than that, one right exactly Stop, sorry. So um sorry. but yeah like it's so to that end uh, still though like nothing was bad it just wasn't like it didn't give you like the and, marvel that you expect out of it and what do you guys feel about like the visual effects and all that in it because obviously they had a budget of 200 million dollars but they did i think they did a lot because obviously they need to spend 100 million dollars on apple boxes for Kit harrington to stand on to make him look like Jimmy <laughs> Chan. so what the extra 100 million dollars how do you feel like they did with the special effect cgi was good to me i think the i think the deviant thing felt I don't know. Not extra I really care about that. I would you know? say they're uninspired. There was nothing interesting. Right, about yeah, it, yeah. It, it reminds there. me of the uh like the sentinel treatment in the X-Men films. Yeah. Yeah. I would um, yeah. 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 Where uh, they started evolving and stuff. Yeah, I think that's a good that's yeah, a good uh yeah. you know. but yeah, that's uh, a good and, point. But I think fact, I think yeah. it was fine. I, I had no issue with um the special effects like we mentioned Macari earlier, uh Fastos, Icarus, like all of the powers were power sets yeah. were cool and yeah i think that there was they're all done well i think i think the stuff with icarus with the lightning i think was in the, the um 
whatever uh, his uh, laser eyes was a bit uninspired at times, but I think it it, it, it was nothing was bad, and I think that he went through it a lot, boy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. That, that does. It, I think that that actually is not a bad thing because Superman definitely underutilizes it. The man has laser right, eyes right. and he still punches people. Like, why the fuck would you do that? <laughs> um, you could just stand still and laser people. Um, but uh, I like to quickly talk about Kid Harrington as a uh, Dane who obviously has mm-hmm. a big, is not in the movie much, is mostly for stuff going forward. But I thought that he did, I'm I'm happy to see him do well in this because I think he very easily could be stuck in and not anything but Jon Snow. But I think that he right. clearly has enough charisma to get him out of it, which I was happy, I'm happy for him. Yeah, he's got a charm about him. Uh, and I think he actually does work well when he's a little more aloof in situations. I, I get, because I like, would have predicted it only because, and I'm one of the few people, I mean, I think, I don't know if Michael Springfield will agree with me on this, but I think he was a, one of the like standout SNL hosts in the past couple of years. And I kind of mm-hmm. was like, oh, if he pivots to comedy, I think he has a career ahead of him. If he doesn't, well, I don't know um, if he does. He did that Lonely Island film too, that he was really funny in. But, which one? Pop, it was, was he a pop star? No, 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 no. It was uh, like, it was a small, I'll look it up while okay. you guys talk. But yeah, I, yeah. There, anyway, so I think that he just clearly has that. Yes. Uh, but anyway, you're saying he's good when he's aloof. Yeah. Which he was he, really he's enjoyable. actually been um, on record saying like that's actually usually like before John So that was always kind of the yeah. type of character. Seven Days in Hell that was what it was called. Oh right, of course he's great in that. Yeah, um, he's fantastic. I loved I love Dane Whitman. I'm mm-hmm. a big fan. I'm I'm I want to see more Dane Whitman on the screen. Mm-hmm. And in a way, it was cool that it was only like ten minutes that he was on because it left you with something. Uh, a little bit more and that was even before the post credit scene i just I, I think the character had a lot of charisma i think the character had a lot of intrigue to him mm-hmm. and um yeah i think the chemistry that he had with with uh with Gemma was mm-hmm. was uh way better than what uh, richard madden had with Gemma. Uh, so and it is notable too get harrington famously is shorter than his wife so you know he definitely i just like me he's like five two it's easy it's just an easy joke to make Especially because it's Robert Downey Jr. Now that already days out of the MCU, we need a guy who stands on Apple boxes in his lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but also, let's obviously we need to talk about the best character in the movie, uh, Karun. Um, just like yeah, I for the king, <laughs> truly. I think that he was really funny, but I also think that I'm glad he was there because it would have been, I think, totally much. It's still, I think, didn't work. Uh, really well but i think discussions about the fate of humanity would have been much worse if there was no human there to kind of ground it again um mm-hmm. oh but when I, he leaves them in the ship like mm-hmm. it's a genuinely touching moment oh yeah yes. i fully i raised up my glass i i put oh. my uh my cup and i was in the back row so that's i wasn't blocking <laughs> one but uh yeah i thought he was just i i thought they really hit him from the marketing but he just really i think gave the movie a groundedness that it otherwise didn't have and i think it still needed more groundedness but i'm glad he was there oh yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. he he was so much he was just a joy it's like you just you really enjoyed everything that he was a part of and i think jerome had mentioned it earlier as far as how he really in undercutting kingo was such was such a integral character to the movie in its own way so Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely i really enjoyed him Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I just quickly, uh, as we wrap up, what was your guys' favorite scene in the movie, Jerome? Ooh, um, I do like the scene where they're all eating together. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, I, I think like that is a really good example of like what works and what they could have like, just dove more into without having to create all the exposition and flashbacks mm-hmm. of things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's like also interesting, like I understand they have to explain things away for the sake of 
like because they've been there the whole time. But also they kind of could have leaned more into the existence of an entire Marvel Cinematic Universe that they didn't have to like feel so from scratch. Yeah, but I think anyway. that yeah, yeah, I think once again it was an issue of not either don't I don't want them to make small references. I want them either to be exist in the fabric of it or really kind of don't reference it that much at all. But totally. AC, what about you? Yeah. Uh for me, listen, Makari just going off on Icarus is just to me like the mm. best visually part of the movie. That was really it? Cool. It just yeah. I really enjoyed that. And then you add Fastos in that that scene in itself, when yeah. you start with Thena attacking mm. him. Mm that like Icarus being involved in fighting all of them is the best scene in the movie to me. I, I would say they would not have any problems getting the gauntlet off of Thanos the way they were. No, no not at all. Yeah. Not in the slightest. Uh, my favorite scene was probably the uh, initial like London attack, just because I thought that having Kit Harrington there as an observer, I think it was really, it was a good mix of comedy and action. And I, I think that it's just a testament to something that um, the ending didn't have this either, but and I understand why they can't do this. But I think fight scenes just work so much better when they're in populated areas. Um, it's a problem that Marvel has had. And almost can completely understandable, but there's just so little texture when you have it on like a remote island or when you have it in a field in upstate New York. And when you have it in like a neighborhood in London that clearly is lived in, it, the stakes to every single movement feel super high. And I think that that's something that I really enjoyed that they did. And obviously there was the joking about Kevin Feige being surprised about real life shots, but it fucking paid <laughs> off. This movie looks beautiful. Um, oh, it does. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad. I, I love the way that some of the shots came out. And, and I love the way that, you know, the movie was very geographically spread. Um, yep. And I think that it was, it's a very, uh, if you're talking about these people who are eternal, having so much of it set in Mesopotamia to Babylon to Iraq, I think all is just like really great stuff. And I think that that's kind of, you know, I think that that's kind of why I think that to go back where I said it to be towards the beginning. I think it is, this movie has problems. It is not perfect in any way. It's definitely my probably my bottom third MCU list. But I think that there's a temptation whenever a good director makes a bad movie to say that the problem was that it wasn't enough of the movie. I think there is a lot of closure in this. And it feels, oh, completely. And it yeah. feels like the problems are both the way that they just, I think, I think there's something that she needed to do story-wise that didn't fit with her. But I also think it was just, a, I don't know who could have directed this movie as it's currently constructed perfectly mm-hmm. well. Um, I think it could have been better with other people, but I don't know if you're going to make a 10 out of 10 from anyone. If, if anything, like, it would, I obviously, um, maybe AC, you know more about what's happened in the production of it, but it feels less like, less. there wasn't a lot of Chloe Zhao, but Chloe Zhao, struggle to incorporate marvel elements yeah yeah and it's and it's funny to me because you know as i mentioned earlier it when you talk about the when you talk about the formula of the mcu and how that generally goes Mm -hmm. things are and we always talk about how things tend to be beholden to it a little too much to a Mm -hmm. degree and -hmm. i feel like this was one of those instances where it almost felt like she wanted to not have it be that way but then almost at the same time there's like these you know like the kingo hanging out with door reference you know. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it was I, just that like i mean that, that, like, one I, that i think fine. i actually I like think that, yeah. i think as a whole i think the issue i think that this movie does, does suffer from hewing too much not to the marvel universe but the structure of marvel movies that i that's think right. that yes that's the exactly problem I mean, is like, that it it's has not the, so like you can reference characters yeah well. that's totally and fine. and that was a problem that i said in the initial interview i did with before it became about sex when i was asked what the what i feel like their issues with indie directors coming in i said that they're able to make 
she Chloe Zhao was able to make a Chloe Zhao flavored Marvel movie, but she can't make a, Mar- a Marvel flavored Chloe Zhao movie. And I think that that yeah. is kind of a problem that you're going to have. That yeah. I think ultimately her strengths as a filmmaker are to make a movie that isn't going to end necessarily with a gigantic final battle with the fate of the earth on the line. And mm-hmm. of course, that's, that's kind of what Marvel movies are. But I think if you want to make the perfect, I think almost, I think honestly, a way to make this movie better, I might be wrong, but this might be something people don't agree with. I think that making the stakes smaller than the end of the world, making the stakes maybe just like a rift in the Eternals. And like, I think that- yeah could actually make the movie because the movie can then be more about the characters but having to introduce all these characters and introduce a whole outside enemy i'm very glad that you mentioned that jake because i was thinking about that the end i was thinking about that as i was watching the movie because it's like you get endgame and you get basically everything is on the line and all this other stuff and i felt like this was like another thing that they tried to shoehorn Mm -hmm. like oh the celestial's coming out it's going to destroy the planet and I don't, I feel like there was much more accomplished in the, in the actual bickering and uh, differences within the internals. We mentioned Kingo earlier and his ideas towards that and all of them having different, differing opinions as far as like what to do about the Celestials thing. As beautiful and as cool as the Celestials look on screen, they did not to be, they did not need to be um, what you would call a central Thing to the plot in this movie it could have been mm. something a little bit different. And, and and as any good action movie director will tell you is that the bigger personal stakes are always bigger than you yeah. stakes that matter to the main character are always going to be bigger than stakes that matter to a billion people that are off screen and so um uh and so um i think that yeah i think they should have scaled back on that i get what they were trying to do uh, but it really felt like a too much to try to introduce 10 characters and the Celestials. But they also introduced other characters, specifically two extra ones. Uh, well, actually, three extra ones, I suppose, in two mm-hmm. post-credit scenes. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the first one, where we meet. Uh, we're on... Uh, the, what, the ship has a name. I don't know what it is. AC, do you have it off the top of your head? I don't. <laughs> don't okay, no, that's fine. Times. I, I got a blank. Uh, no worries. Um, but we meet none other than... Uh, Eros and uh, Pip the Troll. Yes. Yep. Who Eros is Thanos's brother. That's right. That is correct. And Pip AKA the Troll Star is a Fox. Troll. And yes. is a troll. Now, I immediately said that the vibe I got in this immediately is Hercules and whatever Danny DeVito's character is in the 97 <laughs> Hercules movie. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, what did you guys feel about the introduction of these characters? Um it's good it will be fun like yeah clearly uh and you know I, and it, it's like uh i actually had a good talk with some friends about it where it's just there was a time where a lot of these things you kind of could hold under wraps but it's so funny now where marvel is that like you will have this cross-section where harry styles news will like actually spoil a marvel film at this point yeah I think it's really cool. Um, But no, it was a it was a fun scene. It was just enough uh, to incorporate there. Um, It's exciting. I did some reading on Eros and Star Fox. It's gonna be very interesting to see where they want to go with that character because as like charming and as uh, likable he comes off in this, like at least some of the things that you could dive into with that character could be 
not the most flattering. I'm fascinated to see what Harry Styles is willing to do because yeah. he would really impress me. If he's willing to not be a good character, that'd be great because he because well, he's like, so like, charming in a way sure, that I think would sure, be fun sure. if like, you made him bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, like AC, I'm assuming you have done the reading or know like pretty deeply in terms of, like the different areas that Eros shows up or like how he connects. It's it is interesting. Um, mm-hmm. one thing I was reading that was. Uh, like he was so central to, or not so central, but like a part of the Infinity Saga that to introduce him after Thanos is gone is going to be like an interesting take of just maybe, uh, I think one suggestion I was reading was maybe he will help wrap some things up, which I, I don't, I'll, I'll, I'm interested in seeing how. Um, I could see that happening. I, I do like the idea because the character does get into some murky murky waters because even you could even say with his sexuality too that's like a that's like another interesting part of the character too because he 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 takes all comers I'll so, tell you like, this. That, I don't think Harry Styles gonna have any reservations about exploring that it looks so, in a great way but so, like, the be, thing I was alluding to like it's interesting at least some of the stuff I've read about the character in the comics yes he takes on all characters but there are some problem potentially problematic things about how he does it well, yeah, yeah. He's, that uh, I don't think they touch, but I think that yeah. I think that they kind of introduced <laughs> well, him. Yeah. I think they introduced him in a really fun way, and he got it got me excited beyond just the idea that Harry Styles is in the MCU. And I think Harry Styles probably can be a good, talented actor. Um, and I also heard he get, was really good in Dunkirk. I didn't get. He is really good in Dunkirk. Yeah. Yeah. he's so good in Dunkirk that he has like probably the eighth most important role and it's not distracting that it's Harry Styles. And that is, because mm-hmm. then if, he's, really the leader, if yeah. he's the leader of the movie, then you'll get over it because he's on screen the whole time. But if you don't screen for 10 minutes and you're not, I'm not thinking, oh my God, that's Harry Styles. Then, then it's like good. a big like cameo yeah. moment and that he, it's great. Yeah. And also Patton Oswalt is never, I mean, he's, uh, he's always oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, He's always mm-hmm. welcome. He's always welcome on any, his voice or his presence is always welcome on any um, screen. And then there's a second post-credit scene though. Yeah, One fine. where uh, our friend Dane Whitman um, mm-hmm. Opens up a family heirloom and sees a blade, which is it's a suit. I'm sorry, I mean a sword. He sees a sword and hears mm-hmm. a blade because who is that behind him? Yeah, I I didn't know when I was watching the theater. I didn't know it, but AC, talk a little about what's going on here. Well, yeah, and it, and it's funny because everybody <laughs> in the Discord, um, I think people were trying to figure who the who it was, and and Springthorpe was like, oh, I think that was the Watcher. And then it's mm. funny, I hadn't seen the movie yet, but I knew who it was um, in, a, in advance. And obviously it's Mahershala Ali's Blade, who, which... Uh, that blew my starts. mind when I read who mm. it was. I'm, that was so cool. Listen, this is, this is a big deal because I think... Because I think Marvel is doing... Like, we, we've talked about the different branches that, that are going on in the universe... And this is the supernatural branch that is going to be start starting here mm-hmm. with not only Black Knight's character who has Avengers ties and has, uh, you know, very brief ties with Blade. So it's interesting the choice that they made to kind of put those two at least initially together. But, but when you, you know have... You know what I like about that, AC? Yeah. What's up? So often, and like... Marvel, like MCU in general, has already kind of like come so far along with it. But when you think about classic comic book films, like you had to shoehorn or make a very logical connection as to like why you're bringing in a character. Mm-hmm. But what this scene really felt like and is so great is 
like we have a universe. The mm-hmm. universe exists. Characters exist in the universe, and you don't have to like come up with a reason of like, oh no, is that a vampire attack? Mm-hmm. Who could possibly like take care of that? It's literally <laughs> like Blade exists, and mm-hmm. Blade knows his character, and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter that like we don't know that yet. And it doesn't matter of like whether he knows or cares about the Eternals. Like that could just enter in there, and I think that's awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And it was like so that, that Spider Man too, like in the Spider Man extra credit scene, like where they mentioned like a guy who climbs walls. But like same yeah. idea. Yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah. think the thing too is that I always like to say that the MCU movies are like a new run of comics, and so even though Blade and Black Knight might not have a huge relationship in the comics. In this run of comics called the MCU, they could. In, like, what, oh, and if yeah, Kit for Harrington sure. and Herschel Ali have great chemistry, they can have six movies together, you know? What, what, if, the, what if the movie is just really about Blade being pissed that he wanted to be a Black Knight? Oh, <laughs> I mean, obviously, Martin Lawrence and, took that and role. The, but... And the Blade right, being right, right, called right, right. the Ebony Blade. Uh, oh, no, right. it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> it is called it's that, actually, right? Yeah, Jeez. that's what the sword is called. Yeah. Oh, my so God, right on horrible. the nose right there. But just I think... Make, yeah. Yeah, but I think it, it, it's interesting to me because it's like you have these. So the other day we got the we have the announcement of the Halloween special next year uh, that'll be coming out and it'll be focusing on the character a werewolf by werewolf by night. So you have that that supernatural element. Moon Knight, who is heavily tied into the supernatural um, aspect of stuff. And now you have Blade involved and Black mm-hmm. Knight involved, and yeah. you know it's gonna a little yeah, Midnight cool. Suns. The the supernatural group in Marvel might be on its way, so that should be very fun. That's not so, me just watching Phoenix on East Coast. Uh, great stuff. <laughs> and with that, this I think we talk. This is a great Eternals pod. Um, <laughs> I know we're gonna be talking about this some more. We might do a mailbag at some point before Hawkeye. Who knows? But um, first of all, I know Drum's gotta get out of here. Yes. Uh, I want to thank Jerome. Thank you for making time. Um, oh, no, of course. Where can people yeah, yeah. follow you uh, and see uh, all your you great stuff? Me. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram at Black Dragon Roll and on Twitter at Jumpy Line. Yes. Um, and uh, make sure anyone who's listening to this, if you haven't checked out our Patreon, give it a gander. We got our Discord, which has been hopping with Eternal stuff. Um, uh, even, you know, basically since Thursday night, once I walked out of the screen, there was already discussion going on. Um, and we got bonus podcasts. We've got covering doom patrol we've covered movies like the spider-man one two three the amazing spider-man constantine um mission impossible we had so much shit going on you can't even believe it um okay you actually probably could it's not that much shit but it's like three or four things a month yeah well you know we're moving, it's enough. We're moving along it's, we yeah, got some things along. going i have some ideas coming i think that i'm just gonna say it right now just because i'm gonna be running running it i think before no way home i want to do uh where we did the power rankings of movies i think we should power rank the post-credit scenes with uh patrons um, you know, I think that'd be fun. Um, That's a good idea. So uh, I'm doing do that. So just take a look at it, you know, multiple tiers. Um, but uh, yeah, follow the show at MC University Pod. AC, where can people follow you? you follow me on Twitter at Anthony Canton underscore three. It'll be a couple of weeks before some stuff happens with uh, murphysmultiverse.com, but I am covering uh, something for Amazon uh watching a show in advance uh, you'll get some stuff with me related on that and obviously we and just so everybody knows investor day disney plus is coming this week so we will have we'll a talk show. about it yeah we will definitely talk about it and um all the all the good things jake said mm-hmm. check us out everywhere and we are not too far away from our special event 
Yes, exactly. Our special event on November 20th, we're doing a table read live on Twitch of the film The Avengers. Uh, I'm playing Captain America, AC is playing Iron Man, Jerome is playing Thor, and we have the rest of the cast that we will announce uh, right the week of, I think the Monday beforehand. We got some heavy next hitters week. coming on. Yeah, next week. It's very exciting. Dude, it's uh, coming. It's going to be so fucking fun. Like, I need those scripts, Jake. I'll, I'm going to, I'll, sorry, I'll say it over. I need to, I need to mark up all of them. I was telling Jerome, I'm going to do that this week. Um, uh, but it's going to be, uh, I, if it goes as how I want it to, it's going to be so much fun. I, I cannot wait. Um, but you can follow me at Jake Christie. Listen to No Funk and Strictly Monk and where I do a podcast with Andre Bear about the show Monk. Um, but yeah, just keep listening to our stuff. And um, like I said, we're going to do some probably with the uh, investor day. We might take some questions because obviously there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. So just, you know, keep, uh, you know, following us on Twitter and uh, talking back whenever you uh, have something to say, unless it's something stupid. No. Um, but for Jerome Chang, for Anthony Canton III, I'm Jay Christie. Have a good day.